We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, Yue Xu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating where we dig into the why, 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 why. (laughs) We're constantly asking why when it comes to dating, why people do the things they do and why people think the way they do. And that's what we're here for. Four. In addition to, uh, let me introduce you, ladies and gentlemen, to the fuckboy slayer, Julie Kraftchick herself. That's Is that our new, you. like, host intro? <laughs> you, need, like, you need, like, a theme song, you know? It's like, dun 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 fuck you, fuckboys. And then you, like, come on stage. For anyone that's just slayer. joined us for the first time, go back to last episode for that. <laughs> I don't like, fuck? <laughs> I don't even think that needs much explanation. I think that's it's true. like, yeah. You're, People are like, I'm in the right place. Boys. I heard yes. Fuckboy Slayer. This is the podcast I want to be at. <laughs> How do I join this team? 
<laughs> I got to tell you, I'm so I'm in SoCal right now, and it is hot. Is it? I am so sweaty. We did another recording this week, and by the end of it, I was <laughs> I had such bad pit stains on my t-shirt i had to go wash it right away it's so hot yeah i mean i guess san francisco summers are like pretty cold in the scheme of things and we have more of our for anyone that doesn't live in sf it's like more of the delayed summer is like september october and actually our coldest months of like the whole year is like ironically july i've had way too many friends from boston be like i'm gonna come visit in july and i'm like please don't like stay where you are it is so much better so it's it's a false ism here (laughs) but i also feel like people who live in san francisco forget every year Right? Yeah, because there's like a mental block of like summer. (laughs) And then, because it's if you leave San Francisco, it's hot. Like, even Mm -hmm. if you go like. Like San Jose. Yep. It's like 100 degrees. East Bay, North Bay, anywhere. It's just the fog hits San Mm -hmm. Francisco in July exceptionally. But I agree. It's like one of those like mental blocks that, because I think you also see people all over the country doing like summer activities. So, yeah. I remember my first summer in San Francisco five years ago. I wore uh, shorts and a North Face jacket and i was like where else in the world would i be wearing this combination right now it was like hot during the day maybe till like two went to dolores and then it dropped to like 20 degrees and i had to put on my my north face jacket (laughs) it's craziness it's craziness i tell you but it's always crazy times these days always unpredictable how was your week it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I went to, um, I think a lot of cities are doing this, but in San Francisco, we blocked off Valencia Street in the Mission, and it's all restaurants, all outdoor dining, and it's almost feels like European. Like, it's pretty mm-hmm. cool, actually. I was really digging it, and then I went to Golden Gate Park today, and just, again, a lot of people out, but everyone's in mass, and it feels relatively safe. So, you know, knock on wood that it continues to be at this level. San Francisco never like fully reopened. So it's not like we closed anything back down, but it's definitely different. It's not like how life was, but it's the new normal, I guess. I ventured into LA today. I was so scared, but I did. Because, you know, hearing the nightmare stories about LA and everyone was wearing a mask. Oh, good. Good. I wouldn't say they they were socially distanced because the outdoor seating was pretty damn crowded, but everyone seemed somewhat responsible. So I felt good because I, I had my mom with me. We we were in full on gloves. Oh, my, were you in a hazmat <laughs> suit? <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't so hot outside, I think we would have worn raincoats or something, but we had full on gloves. My mom brought some face shields. We didn't wear them. Oh, my God. I, like, oh I wish my God. there was a photo of you with a face shield so bad. <laughs> walking, walking in Studio City, like everyone else is half naked. My mom. <laughs> (laughs) and I are like gloves and face shields. Yeah. (laughs) Safety first, right? Uh, So speaking of safety first, I remember I told you earlier this week, I've tried to be as safe as possible coming down to SoCal. So uh, I'll... I'll give you the rundown of what I did, and then maybe this can help others, or maybe others can give me suggestions for trying to be even safer next time. I want to see my parents. So coming down to SoCal, I took JSX, and JSX uh, basically is like a smaller plane, 30 people capacity, but there were only seven people on the plane. Mm. So I was really far away from everyone. That's good. You don't actually go into the airport, so the terminal is like outside, so you don't have to, you know, like be part of that airport germs 
And when I got back to my parents' house, so I took I took a COVID test before coming here, tested negative. And then when I got to my parents' house, I went straight to my room, quarantined myself, took off all my clothes, threw it in the washer dryer, uh, took a shower, washed everything down, wiped everything down. And then I wore a mask and I'm still wearing a mask around my parents. So my parents and I don't share any utensils. Our food is all separate. Uh, I wash my own dishes, which as any adult should anyway. <laughs> And I eat outside. It's really funny. I eat separately from them. That is the part that cracked me up the most, that you're like, yeah, I'm sitting through a screen. <laughs> yeah. My, like, my parents are waving at me, oh and my, my mom's God. like, do you want any more vegetables? <laughs> I think it's also, really like, cute. to point out, you didn't go down just for, you know, shits and giggles yeah. and, like, a fun trip. I know there's a lot of influencers getting, like, a, not calling us influencers. I will just say that because I hate that name. But... <laughs> I'm just putting it out there that like there's a lot of influencers getting flack for like traveling a lot and mm. not wearing masks and photos and stuff like that. And it's clearly just like a leisure travel. And mm-hmm. I agree, there's something about it that doesn't sit well. And I think especially when they're like taking photos and like all up in each other's grill without masks on, there's like something like icky that I feel I don't know. It's just like not a good vibe. I'm like the mask police on Instagram. If I see anybody I know taking a picture with other people without a mask on, I always comment. And I always say like, where's your mask? And the response is always like, oh, we took we took off our mask for this photo. I'm like, but you could also catch a virus from one millisecond of taking off your mask. Like, why? Why do you think you're exempt from taking a photo? I don't know. There's a lot of photos of people just like all over each other, like hugging yeah. and all that stuff. And I'm like, I don't get that. Like, I get the need to have some social interaction, especially if you've been like quarantined by yourself. I get For it. Sure. Even if you've been quarantined with a significant other, your family, you're probably freaking sick of them by now and mm-hmm. need some other social interaction. So I get that as long as you're like safe measures. But like, what's the need to be like all up hugging someone? Like, I can right. bond with you from six feet. Like, there's no need. And why do you need to take off a mask for a photo? You look probably better with a mask on. I'm just saying, a lot of people look better with a mask on. So keep it I on. will say that we had at the happy hour this week, we do, for anyone that hasn't heard this already, we do the weekly, <laughs> I'm sure most of you have, anyone do, we do the weekly happy hour in our Facebook group. People have loved just as a way to connect with others. And we actually talked about what we talked about on this episode a couple weeks ago about like, would you mm-hmm. rather like, have sex with someone in a mask doggy style only (laughs) or like would you rather just have virtual sex and the responses were hilarious like there were some people that was like damn like it's been so fucking long like I would go in there just get it done and get out of there and then others are like no germs like I don't want it it was just the range of replies were just hilarious slash sad. I don't know. Hilarious slash sad. I'm not sure what the right word is. Um, My friend and I were texting over the weekend talking about how we can make glory holes a business, you know, like a (laughs) drive-through glory hole. And you can make it kind of like gig economy wise, right? You can hire people to be part of the sucking or hand jobs (laughs) and then charge the other way too. So you, you earn double commission, right? From both sides. You're basically like Fiverr, but for (laughs) For people who want to get off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, 
and if you think about it, it really works. It, it, like you just want to make sure that everyone's well employed, everyone's active, oh my God. everyone's getting their <laughs> shit done. You know, like I, I don't see anything wrong with it. It's just more the hygiene aspect. I think we just need to control somehow. But uh, honestly, glory holes are great. You don't care. You're like not trying to be picky. Who's on the other side? You just you're just trying to get shit done. You're trying to make a deposit. <laughs> Like at the bank. This is what I said. If you're at the bank, you don't care who the teller is. You're just there to make a deposit, yo. (laughs) For anyone that doesn't know what glory holes are, can you kind of just give up? You know, I don't know. You know, I just want, I don't want anyone excluded from the convo either. Wait, is that a translation? That's Julie saying, so what's a glory hole? (laughs) Asking for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) For anyone who doesn't know myself included well my understanding of a glory hole is they're just holes in a wall and you stick your penis through and on the other side you can choose to have your penis sucked or uh jerked off by someone but you have no idea who it is you're just guaranteed to get off somehow so is there an option for women for this this feels very one-sided it is very i mean like it's hard to stick a vagina through (laughs) a wall i don't know i feel like you could you could just like have someone like their finger you know what you could do is a like a upside down glory hole you sit on a bench or something yeah yeah there's and there's possibilities yeah and people underneath can can lick you from under hey you know what if you're entrepreneurial now's the time and and then we just call it something else glamour holes you know like glory hole doesn't sound great just do glamour holes way to class it up you eh just add the word it's, glamour instead of glory. And then you get like a martini while you, you know, get your, this get your like stuff serviced. sounds like a business serviced. idea you and I had a couple of years ago, if oh, you're I remembering know. what it was. Oh, yeah. The vagina <laughs> steaming. I feel like this could have like so many paths, but... Anyways, we could go on a tangent for a lot longer on this. Julie's like, I want to change the subject. Meanwhile, I'm like, Gwyneth Paltrow, are you free? Would you like to invest in our new business, Glamour Holes LLC? But I've been, I've had quite a week, UA, doing this dating app experiment. Oh, I have yeah. So many You traveled headaches. all over the I world. I have been everywhere. Been <laughs> everywhere. I actually took notes because I had so many findings that I was like, I'm not going to remember them. Fantastic. Refresh first for, yes, who, yes. for anybody who doesn't know this experiment. Julie has decided to travel the world dating through, <laughs> through virtually. So she is, has chosen a different location each. Wait, each day? You know what? It started off each week and now it is condensed a lot because there's a lot of different locations. So I'm saying like, you know, sometimes I even go two places in a day. Oh, damn. (laughs) You know, those flights are a lot easier when you're not going anywhere. Yeah. And for (laughs) re-99. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to see for anyone also that didn't hear last week, but you can always go back and catch it. But the idea is just like, you know, since we're in this virtual world, you can really date anywhere. Everyone complains and everyone bitches about their city. And I wanted to see if there really were similarities or noticeable differences in different cities with dating apps. Again, for anyone that's questioning the logistics here, yes, it is a sample size of one. This is not a scientific study, Mm -hmm. especially now that I'm only going to be there for a couple hours. Potentially, I'm actually not having like long, in-depth conversations with a lot of people. So this is more just superficial, like what I'm noticing in the swipe world. So I want to preface that also. So 
Okay. If you yep. see something different, if you live in one of these cities and you're like, nope, that does not hit it at all, please write in, tell us, because we can always share that perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so UA gave me quite the list last week. <laughs> <laughs> and now the list is like super long because all of you listeners gave recommendations on the Facebook group and on Instagram. So oh, I, I will try so to go busy. everywhere. <laughs> I might have to hit the line at one Just point. Just one of Julie. <laughs> you might have to clone yourself exactly. on these apps. Or other people can pick up the experiment and write in. There's there always that option. I Outsource. think also just one of the things I've realized from this is I'm ready to go back and date, like actually date mm. and meet people. And I think before this, I, again, for anyone that's coming in late, like ended um, something in May-ish, I think it was May. Yeah, like May-ish. Has it been, really? Yeah. Wow. It's been three months. Yeah, I know. Doesn't it feel Dang, like either I can't flies. even I can't decide if it feels less or more. I can't really decide, but we're in just like a time vortex in general. But yeah, yeah in May and it's um, a long term relationship of mine that we were giving another chance. So it was an ex. It wasn't like a consistent long term relationship, but it was, you know, we decided not to pursue it. So afterwards, I got back on dating apps and realized that I was kind of just there for vanity swipes and not really wanting to do like full on conversations. So mm-hmm. I took a little time off and now I did this experiment. And honestly, this experiment has made me want to just like meet up with people in real life again and have more actual connections and dates. So I think you said it really well, UA, in our episode with Minji, like I date me first, which we talked about like getting back onto dates after a breakup too. It's like you kind of know when you're ready to just meet people again, even if mm-hmm. that's just platonically, like you you have an urge to meet someone, not like feeling like you should be on the app. So I've mm-hmm. gotten that urge back. So thank you, experiment, for getting me out of my shell and maybe coming back there. I think there's always a silver lining in every experiment. That's awesome. Yeah. So why I said that is I'm going to continue the experiment for one more week in a bunch of the locations that were done and then pass the torch to anyone that wants to like write in and tell us about their own experiment. We can keep it going if we're getting a lot of these submissions or if not, we'll do some other experiment. There's so many more that we can do along the lines. The other side of it, there was a few people that I might have toyed with their emotions a little with it. So that's like... I'll go into it, but I I feel like there's a little bit of that that I don't love. So that's why I also want to maybe limit it for another week and then move on to a more more authentic reason for being on the apps. There you go. (laughs) So I went to Chicago. That was one of the ones Mm -hmm. that UA said. And first of all, I want to point out that there are really fucking hot guys in Chicago. Yeah. I was like really attracted to a lot of the dudes that I was swiping on. Midwest blood. Yes. Hot blood. But I feel like none of the ones I like swipe back on me. Oh. It was like one of those things that there were like a lot of like really attractive men, but I wasn't getting the reciprocal match with them. Like mm. I was getting other people, but they weren't the ones that I was really attracted to. So it was it wasn't like a gold mine, I guess, is what I'm trying to say in short. It was when you just looked at the people, but for whatever reason, and that could be a ton of reasons. I don't know what that is. Maybe just, you know, like maybe they're not that active. Maybe I'm not their type. Like, I don't know what the answer is. Mm, mm. Other women in Chicago would love to hear if you're hearing this too or seeing this, like really attractive men that are not making the move in any way. So 
Mm -hmm. put that Mm -hmm. out. But I noticed one thing that was very interesting. I mean, I'm a Jewish woman and I expect LA in New York to be like Jew central. Like anytime I'm there swiping, I know I'm going to get a lot of Jews. Chicago, tons of Jewish men. Yep. I was very surprised by that. Spillover from New York. Yep. And then also I noticed a lot of men in their 40s. And I think that's also Mm. my age is going up a little like But one of the things that there was always this perception, at least I had, was that it was hard to date in Chicago the older you got because Midwestern people tend to settle down earlier. Mm. So my theory is they're either divorced and not putting that on their profile or, I mean, who knows, maybe just spillover from other major cities where people tend to settle down later. I don't really know what the answer is, but... I noticed that and I noticed a lot of people didn't reference divorce or their kids. But also I noticed, I know that people sometimes don't want to put that on regardless. So it's hard to gauge if they really were or not. That's really interesting because if you swipe here in, in Orange County, it's a lot of men in their 40s, but they're all single dads. Mm. There's so many single dads and they all have pictures with their kids too. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I also noticed a lot of moderate people, like more moderate than conservative than you see in uh-huh. like San Francisco. Like everyone's liberal in San Francisco. Right. Um, also, I think in terms of diversity, I still saw like majority white Like, there Mm. were a few, like, Black African-American, very few Asians in Chicago. In Mm -hmm. general, though, it felt very white, but there was a lot of diversity in background and job. And I think you actually mentioned that as a theory. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that a lot of people in, like, trade professions or just various different things. It wasn't just generic industry like you see in, like, SF or LA or New York. Yeah. Um, Or maybe New York. I I can't say that one 100%. I'll say SF and LA because I've been there. But no Dom. No dominating industry. industry, Yes. I also got tips, hot tips from our Facebook group to go to Downers Grove in Logan Square. Downers Grove is like a western suburb outside of Chicago. So I was in North Loop and I kept my um, distance to like 20 mile radius. So hopefully that's picking up like a big part. I I tried to do a little research of like where a good area was to set myself. So again, listeners, if you live there and you're like, you should have been here, like, you know, write us in and let us know. I don't fully know. This is just the internet telling me so <laughs> but we got um this feedback so downers uh grove was really interesting it was pitched to me as dads never married divorce no kids executive non-executive etc so like a wide mm. variety of people and i definitely saw that i don't know how much more noticeable it was there than chicago though but i tried there and then the Lo- logan square and logan square felt a little more like creative and hip but nothing like super noticeable either so that was Chicago. But you were also there for like half a day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Philly. Oh, yeah. You asked oh, yeah. me to go to Philly. And I, I chose Fishtown, which I heard, which I read online was like more of like the younger professional area. You did your research. I did my research. I tried to make sure I was in a place that I'd probably live if I was there. So... <laughs> It was definitely diverse in terms of looks and race, occupation, education, very eccentric people. Like I can't even really put into words what that is. I was trying to dissect this a little more for you because my visceral reaction was to get the fuck out of Philly. It was just like there was something that I just was every guy I was getting, I was not down with. And I was trying to articulate this better because I knew you'd be like, okay, why? 
And honestly, I still can't articulate it. I think I might need to go back to Philly and do a little more due diligence here. So weird. Not all of my friends who've ever dated in Philly said that they either like wanted to leave the second day, <laughs> just dating in Philly, not yeah. living in Philly, or they didn't feel safe. Interesting. Like by the by the people. Interesting. I don't know what that could be. This yeah. was mm. definitely by far the most no's I've ever swiped in any city. Wow. But everyone really? seemed to go to Temple University. That was my one thing that I oh noticed. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Temple. Oof. I mean, so yes. <laughs> again, I can go back there, but I would love to hear from our Philly listeners of what it's yes. really like. Because again, if even if I go for a day or two, I'm not going to get the full thing. I think once this restriction gets banned, you and, I, you and I should take a little trip to Philly because I want to know what's happening there. I want to know too. <laughs> I know people who travel to New York just to date because they did not want to stay in Philly to date. Wow. What is going on there? Yes. Okay, please write into you... us. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so then I went to Sicily because you told me I yes. was going to thrive yes. in Sicily. Where? So, well, <laughs> Hinge apparently is not very popular in Sicily. So it was very oh. hard for me to get matches. <laughs> I had to keep moving my location. I had to actually turn off that 20 mile radius was something I preferred. And then I finally got this really hot guy. And uh-huh. I looked to see where he was from, and he was from Tampa, Florida. What? <laughs> I noticed everyone there was an expat. So needless to say, I think Hinge just might not be a thing yeah, there. Yeah, it's not a local thing there. So I couldn't really read Sicily, I guess, in short. My one match was a U.S. resident. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's really just the app itself. Yep. So while I was across the pond, I decided to hit up London. I know this wasn't on the list, yeah. but you know how I love L- London dudes. And who boy, was I right. I like literally right swiped on everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely have a thing. London is very diverse. The people mm-hmm. you're getting, but there's just something about all of them that just some it factor. I don't know what it is that I don't know what it is that makes me. Are they like really witty? Yeah. Like they're yeah. witty. There's like something yeah. charming about people. Charming. And yes. I got so many messages too. Yes. I think also what I loved about London is that usually on Hinge, so you can just like like someone's photo. And I admit that I'm lazy as fuck with dating apps. And I'll typically just like someone's photo and not put in a message. And the guys in the US do the same. They'll just like your Mm -hmm. stuff and then someone eventually will start it, whatever. But in London, people would like they would add comments to the photo when they Mm. sent it over. So I saw like just a lot more messages engagement. And I got the nicest message I've ever received in my life. And I actually frame it. I actually wrote him (laughs) because I felt bad. So what did he he say? And I don't know if he copy and pasted this to me plus a bunch of people or if it was uniquely written for me. But men listening, you should do something like this. This should be a variation. And I don't care if it's a copy and paste. Like this made me, this guy, I don't know if I would have swiped for him just being fully transparent, but it made me stop and look at him again because of this message. This is what he wrote. You are truly beautiful and seem warm-hearted too. Your smile is utterly captivating. My heart skipped a beat when I first saw you. I am speechless. I know. Wow. Isn't that super nice? Because usually you'll get these like, oh, you're hot or something. Yeah. Which which is not a compliment at all. So men, just take a second to write something like 
Like it doesn't, I don't know, there's something about this message, let me know what you think, but I didn't think it was cheesy. Like I just thought it felt authentic and I really thought it was nice. Yeah, and also just like when you write a message, you want, even though if you write a hundred messages a day, every message should feel bespoke for that person. Like you really took the time to think about them. And that's what that message really means is this person took their time to write this message for you. There's something about the smile line too. Like one of our friends in SF, she said that she would shoot that to men. Like, I really like your smile. Mm -hmm. Even if you are mass sending it, it feels like it is custom for you. Mm -hmm. Of course, Mm -hmm. only if the person is smiling in their profile, then they might realize (laughs) that you're mass sending. That's just like a very nice message in general. Isn't it? And... I don't know. I actually felt the need to reach out to him and match and be like, hey, I don't live here. I'm real, like, I'm just doing this. You know, like, I, oh. I was like, because I wrote, I was like, that was such a nice message. Like, I would have felt bad just ignoring it. But I'm, I mean, what I said before, I realized that I'm looking to like actually date again. And I've had mm-hmm. situations in London. I'm not really looking to recreate that. So I just didn't even want to go yeah. there. And I was like, I need to just be honest with this guy. So. So after this, we need to start a GoFundMe for Julie to just live in, <laughs> in you know, in the UK for a little bit because I think she would do really well, and then she should just stay there for a few months <laughs> and then bring bring back a man. I don't know if I need a GoFundMe as much as the US not to be banned from being. Oh there. right, no, you need a I don't yeah you need a you need a good reason to get over there first. You know you're right, you're right. So then I went logistics. Yep. Then I went to Boulder and Denver. Those were my Mm -hmm. last two stops. Denver. Mm -hmm. So this is where things got too much. So (laughs) I feel like because I was doing this really quickly, all my people started merging together. Uh, Because at first uh I was like, this isn't the guy that I would expect in Boulder. And then I realized I was getting London people still. Oh, yeah. So Mm -hmm. I think that's when I'm like, okay, I need to calm down this experiment a little. Because honestly, people started messaging me and they're like, like one guy was like I actually thought he was from San Francisco and it turned out he was from Denver. Mm, so yeah. Kind of similar. Anyways, um there were I feel like everyone there was white and bearded. Like basically yes. exactly Lumberjack. the stereotype that I thought. Yes. And they were all in wilderness, they were skiing, uh-huh. they were drinking beer. Camping. Like it was uh-huh. literally confirming every single stereotype. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> And then Denver, I feel like had the exact same vibe, but it was just like a little more broy. That was my take. Yeah, maybe a little bit more cosmopolitan. Yeah, I didn't really see that. Maybe not. It was like just broy feeling. I don't know. I just realized yeah. that's not my vibe. Yeah, definitely. That's not your. That's not your thing. You're like not trying to go camping every weekend. No, and make your. Uh, that's own like fire. my worst nightmare. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) And for anyone that has replied to the Instagram story, there were so many suggestions of where I can go next. These were just a couple of them. There were more, but I'm consolidating the list because I can't possibly go everywhere. So Boston, Miami, Calgary, um, Canada, Seattle, Melbourne, Auckland, Kansas City, Portland, Moscow, Phoenix, St. Louis, Dallas, New Orleans, Washington, D.C., London, Stockholm. But I've already been to London. Moscow, I'm going to guess there's probably not many people. So maybe, UA, you can pick three more for me to go to out of that list. I did promise Calgary to one of our Facebook members, Janice. So we'll do that one. 
Let's do Calgary. Let's do, oh gosh. Yeah, let's try DC. Okay. I'm curious. I'm curious about DC. So Calgary, DC, and let's do one more non-US. Melbourne? Yeah. Why not? No guarantees of their hinge population, true, but true. I feel like there would be more than some of the other places listed. Yes. Well, your backup can be New Orleans. Mm. <laughs> I just New Orleans basically should just be its own entity anyway. That's true. I'm going to also add Miami because I'm curious. Yeah. They just spend like a layover in Miami. I don't think yeah. you need to do like no, a no. half day. In Boston, I already know because I lived there for many years, so... Anyways, that is the next installment of this fantastic <laughs> this experiment. Dating around the world with Julie Kraftchick, the fuckboy slayer. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of our next show. I think this is this is so great. This is like when I was single, I would just swipe everywhere I went. I had like yeah. when I when I was working in the UK on a TV show there, I would Every time I go there, I swipe, swipe, swipe. I had a boyfriend for like a week there. It was so great. <laughs> I can't like, remember know? that. <laughs> a vacation boyfriend because I love John. So like on my profile, I, I say I like John Cusack. And this guy happened to have a name very similar to John Cusack. And he had a great opening line. We ended up dating for a full week. It was A full and, week. What a like, long-term relationship. Week. Yeah. We talked about, you know, like me moving over and all this stuff. You know, it's just like playing house. Because <laughs> as soon as I left, I was like, yeah, right. But, <laughs> but it's always fun to vacation date. And now you get to do it virtually. That's true. I do always love doing that when I go to a city just to see what it's like. So I think also what I realized, too, is that, you know, when you're like kind of getting sick of your city and then you go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Like this happens to me sometimes when I'm sick of SF, I'll go back to Boston to home. And then I'm like, I can't wait to go back to SF. Yeah. That's how I felt on this experiment. I was like, hey, it's not that bad. Dating in SF isn't that bad. I'm going to go back. And then I actually started talking to someone that I might not have talked to before because mm. I realized my location was not confined anymore because of the whole Sicilian situation. Mm, mm-hmm. So I actually ended up talking to someone for quite a bit yesterday from um, Healdsburg in oh, um, perfect. wine country, which I probably would have been out of range. wine with them all the time. Yeah. So you never know. You never know. But... Yeah, I think the one one thing I wanted to ask you, UA, that you made a comment in the Facebook group when we were talking about dating experiments before about changing your name. You mentioned that you used to change your name oh, to sound yeah. less ethnic. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like dating, d- name discrimination is already pretty bad in just normal society. and But in dating, it's really bad because with my name, like Y-U-E, first of all, people don't know how to pronounce it. (laughs) So they may not want to swipe on me anyway, because they're like, oh, they have to ask her how to pronounce it. And two, I think some people just assume I don't speak English. So I remember going on a few dates where the guys would show up and be like, wow, you speak perfect English. I'm like, and and you don't <laughs> like what what does that mean but i get it like n- name discrimination can do a lot but I, when i changed my name to tiffany i would get so many bro matches because mm. it makes sense right they're like ah it's tiffany so i think you should definitely do a little name experimentation next for that next round okay next round yes we'll keep that outside of the city we'll do that next yeah. time yeah like you said too many variables yep. that'll be next time <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. And then we have people name and like vote on different names. <laughs> yes. It's going to be so good. Yes. It's going to be so good. I love it. Love experiments. This is, this is going to be just so, I mean, like you said, I think end of the day, what you learn from dating experiments is you learn a, a new thing about your preferences, mm-hmm. which makes you more open and it puts you in a better situation to like find someone in your own city. Yeah. Woo-woo. Okay. So we're going to start something new this week. Um, You've all loved the Would You Rather so much on our Instagram that we're going to post a new Would You Rather every Wednesday on our Instagram for you to answer. So we're going to post the next one this coming when or today, right? If you're listening to this today. But anyway, Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) If, If you know when Wednesday is, we're posting it on our Instagram. It's at Dateable Podcast. And then when we record this intro again the following week, we will let you know all the results. Every week, you're going to get a new question, and then we'll reveal the results and comments and feedback. I have a really good one for this week. So definitely get on our Instagram. At Dateable Podcast. Follow us. (laughs) Follow us there. And um, I know we've, we glossed over this last week. We didn't get to talk about it, but our celeb dream cast, I guess, like dream guest for um, next season we, we want to say her name every week, just so if anybody knows Eliza Schlesinger, if anybody knows her, if anybody remotely knows her, <laughs> if anybody has ever matched with her when she was single, <laughs> please let us know. We would love to get her as a guest on our show. That's our celebrity ultimate wish. Uh, yeah, that, that's like we have others on our list, but I don't have time to go over them. But Eliza Schlesinger, fellow elder millennial, we love to get her on our show. So now we will get to our episode with Ken Page. We were on his podcast called Deeper Dating Podcast. So who is Ken Page? He's a renowned psychotherapist, popular psychology today blogger, Huffington Post blogger, and author of the bestseller Deeper Dating, How to Drop the Games of Seduction and Discover the Power of Intimacy. And also in my dreams, one of my BFFs, I really love talking to I Ken Page. I love Ken Page so much. And I think the way what he talks about with us, like the way he positions us, I love so much. It's like he was talking about it being like this like museum, like we are curators of the museum of modern dating, that we've heard so many tales and all of that, that we could basically tell you everything you need to know about modern dating. And I think that was such a nice way to put it. And why we love Kim Page so much uh, besides everything else is the fact that he's been through the trenches. He went through the whole like genre of game playing and trying to play like mind tricks with guys that he was dating. And he finally came to his realization that those things were not going to work. And he needed to buckle down and figure out what he wanted in a relationship. So now he's happily married, but he's been through the trenches. So I feel like he's been there with us and he came out on the other side. So let's get deeper with Ken Page. So UA and Julie of the Dateable Podcast, I'm so thrilled to have you here. Thanks for having us, Ken. Yeah, we're excited too. 
And I was on one of your earlier episodes in season nine and had a really good time there. And uh, I just love what you do. I love the intelligence, the thoughtfulness, the edginess, the <laughs> kind of curiosity, the, the the spirit of curiosity that you enter into this with. And all of the amazing stories and ideas and insights and thoughts that get generated on your podcast. Thank you. People loved your episode, too. It was definitely one of our crowd favorites. We definitely Ooh. have mutual love with you. You were on. I just want to promote you for one quick second. You were on season nine, episode six in an episode called Deeper Dating with Ken Page. OK, for anyone interested, because Ken Page is amazing. Uh, we have people saying like that was like the most enlightened conversation I've heard in a while. So, yeah, it was awesome. Oh, that makes me feel great. That makes me feel great. And I'm so excited to dive in today because I feel like, um, you know, there's this, uh, this kind of social distancing resource available now, which was probably available before, but it's visiting museums all over the world mm. uh, via the internet. And I feel like in your years of curating the most amazing episodes and hearing so many stories from the front line of dating and then working with them in thoughtful ways, tips, insights, stories, that, that it's like almost like a virtual walk through a museum of ideas that are really important. So I am thrilled to walk down the halls of this museum <laughs> with you. And I have a whole bunch of questions that I think can highlight some of those things. Awesome. Oh, I love that visual. I'm just yeah. thinking about walking through a museum about dating and seeing all the artifacts of the yes. way people used to date back in the day. Pre-COVID-19. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Right, right. It's true. It's true. I remember Marianne Williamson was giving a talk once and she said that she was in a museum and she was looking at a painting of St. Sebastian with all these arrows through his body. And she said, like, what does this represent? What's the artist trying to capture? And then she said, oh, I get it. It's dating. So, <laughs> uh, so I'd love to hear from from each of you kind of, um, well, I have a whole bunch of different questions, but but here's one question that I want to ask is, what is standing out for people that you talk to these days the most? Let's take a quick break because sometimes you just got to engage your brain in a different way, right? You've all heard me talk about Best Fiends by now, but I seriously can't get enough of it. This awesome mobile puzzle game is so much more than any other games out there. It's five-star rated with over 100 million downloads, thousands of fun levels, and tons of super cute characters to collect. I'm now on level 208. Yep, working my way up. They've created a whole world right on my phone. It's bright and colorful with great graphics, and there's a story all about these cute bug characters. Best Fiends is seriously the perfect way to take a break in between meetings. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Now back to the show. What is standing out for people that you talk to these days the most? These days as in the time of coronavirus, Ken, or these days as in 2020? <laughs> oh, both good questions. And I, I, I guess the answers would be really different. So let's go with uh, with both. With both. Okay. We can do pre-post world. 
There we yeah, go. Right, that's, right. that's really good. I, I really believe that when it comes to modern dating, this is with or without coronavirus, that I think there are a lot of blurred gender lines, which is one of the main mm-hmm. themes that we've been seeing. And because of the blurred gender lines, I think there's just, there's been a, a lot of confusion on what is expected of your potential suitors. And that's what creates uh, a lot of the miscommunication or even these dating terms that keep coming up like ghosting and breadcrumbing. But today we learned a new dating dating term called zumping, which is (laughs) dumping over Zoom. Oh my God. (laughs) First time you heard it, folks. First time I heard it. We Mm. had a debate on our Facebook group. Is like, is it better to be zumped or ghosted? And I think overall (laughs) we decided zumped is better because especially coronavirus, you're not like left hanging if someone is ill or something like that. It's just clear that they do not want to be with you. Oh, right. good point. Yeah. yeah. And Julie, I'm sure you have a lot a lot of learnings too for just modern dating in general. Yeah, I think, bef- well, maybe let's stick with the pre-coronavirus yes. theme first and then we'll both go into post. But I think the biggest thing stand- that stands out for me is that anything goes this day and age. Like I think in past generations, there was a very clear path that people took. It was like, have, find a relationship that's monogamous, get married, have children. Like there was one linear path for the majority. And I think what's been happening in modern dating is that we are given the ability to create the relationships we want. And people are really starting to like question a lot of those norms, especially because um, our generation is kind of the byproduct of divorce. And I think we've seen relationships that haven't gone well under Mm. that like pre notion of it must go a certain way. So people have been really exploring different avenues, whether that's like polyamory or being pansexual or like whatever it might be. Like it's really people are not afraid to go out and experiment. And I think that's actually something that's really wonderful about our generation. But also it's a challenge because I think Mm -hmm. there's just so many options and sometimes people get confused. And it's actually kind of like not a bad thing if you're confused because we've seen people on our podcast that are like, okay, I haven't had great, like there's one woman that's standing out for me that's like, I haven't had great experiences with men. I'm going to try dating a couple. I'm going to try opening my bumble to women and just see what happens. And she actually found love with a woman and explored other sides of herself and then realized like full circle that she actually really was attracted to men. And I think that that could sound confused to some people, but I think it's really just getting the space to explore yourself and modern dating allows us to do that. So interesting. And the thing, the things that each of you said really are connected because, because you're kind of crossing these tripwires of taboo and mm-hmm. entering into a new space, which is both wonderful and scary and, and also really confusing. Yes. So, yeah. And, and, and just kind of like thinking about both of those parts 
it's easy to get scared, right? Like it's easy to like want to venture into something new, like, oh, I'm attracted to this person. I'm attracted to this situation, but that doesn't fit in with what feels like home or safe to me, but I want to go ahead with it. But then the fear comes up, the confusion comes up. And what, what do people tend to do with that in each of those arenas that you both describe the shape and the form of a relationship, but also like gender identity stuff. And Mm -hmm. I just got to take one minute and, and say that I am constantly tortured by relationship teachers who say men you have to be alpha men or mm-hmm. women don't forget your femininity you can't let go mm-hmm. of your femininity or you won't find your alpha guy it's just it's agony and yep. i think that happens more for less for younger folks i think to relate back to your museum analogy ken is I think what people are feeling right now is that they're going through a museum and they're taking this map that their ancestors have passed them <laughs> and said, you should follow this path in this yeah. museum mm-hmm. to get to the exit or whatever the nirvana is. And everyone's ripping up these maps thinking, okay, I don't want to take that path because I don't believe that that's where the route I should take. But what's that? What it's causing is they don't know where to go next. Which room right. should I explore next? What art should I look at next? And so what everyone's doing is they're just throwing themselves into rooms of art and to feel, to just see how I feel. So it could be like a room full of naked art. How does this make me feel right now? A room (laughs) full of biblical art. How does this make me feel right now? And I think what's happening right now, especially during time of quarantine, is that people are trying to digest and analyze how they're feeling. Because we, I think daters for so many years have just tried to try to experiment and go into these different paths. But now's the time, their quiet time to say, how did these rooms really make me feel? And then what is my next step? I think that's so dead on because I think that is the challenge with all this is that there's like analysis paralysis that you basically just don't do anything. And we've heard, like we talked to another um, author that basically was saying how a lot of times people would say they want relationships, but because they weren't in the right place financially, or they hadn't explored their career to the maximum yet, or they weren't fully the person they wanted to be, or they didn't do whatever they're trying to get to the next level. But the problem with that is you're never a hundred percent. So it's like, when do you just take the chance and like dive in with someone and kind of evolve together versus taking that time to figure it out on your own and waiting for that like perfect moment that's just never going to come. So I think that's been a challenge for people is overcoming all these options, all the self-reflection and just making like moves like we've talked about. The only way to really understand relationships is to get into relationships. And that could be like a month relationship, a three month relationship. It doesn't need to be years and years, but that's like the best way to really understand what you want opposed to kind of just getting into this decision-making mode that doesn't go anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, there's so much in this. And it's making me think of a million things, but one thing it's making me think of is um, the vulnerability of the person who is in that new room already and then gets a newbie who's frightened. And mm, right. it, it makes me think of um, gay men having a relationship with a newly out mm-hmm, gay mm-hmm. man or, or gay woman 
um, especially like if it come if that other person comes from a religious tradition that kind of claws at them and grabs at them in terms of guilt and and all of that. And I remember uh, a gay male friend of mine. Uh, we were just hanging out in his room, and he said, "So okay, so I am lying on this bed." And everyone has to start out in the closet. And when they're ready to come out and make the decision to fully come out, then they could join me in bed, but not until then. Cause he had been <laughs> so disappointed so many times. And, um, so, so yeah, there's a little bit of a risk for that person who's kind of, I guess there's really a risk for both. There's a risk for the person taking the new step and there's mm-hmm. a risk for the person who's done that already. And that kind of risk is beautiful in a way. It's scary, but it's wonderful. And we know that risk sparks Eros, that Mm -hmm. Eros is a spark that needs to jump a gap. So like there's something sexy about taking risks. Yeah. Yeah. If you think about it, sort of our approach to romance and love lives are kind of trailing behind how we approach life in general. Because I think if you look at millennials and younger generations, they are motivated to try non-traditional lifestyles. They're Mm -hmm. motivated to not have a career and they're motivated to not possess and own things. Yet when it comes to their love lives, it's a little bit delayed. So I think now it's catching up where I think people are thinking in that manner of, okay, how do I take risks in my love life? And how do I think in a non-traditional way without imposing all these expectations from society or my ancestors or (laughs) whatever it may be? And I think we are getting to that tipping point of everyone wanting to make these these decisions and and take the risk they just don't know how it's just right. they're missing the tools I think that's a really good point because I think to our uh, conversation just a few minutes ago of like how much self-analysis do you do versus take action mm. and I don't think it's one or the other I think it, you do hmm. need to actually get in touch with yourself. And I think there's a mistake people make of just dating over and over again and never taking time to self-reflect either. And we always talk about just like the importance of therapy and just like getting to the root of what you're really looking for in life and all that. But I think you have to balance that with also being willing to be vulnerable and get hurt and take those chances. And so I think, yeah, and I think that's like kind of maybe the silver bullet is like, how do you get to a place that you're feeling self-confident enough and that you don't need a partner, but you're willing to make room for someone and really take a risk with it. Because what we see, and I think this is maybe the biggest challenge that people face, is that everyone wants to just be like half in. Like Mm -hmm. they never want to admit that they had a great time or tell that person that this was like such a great date or they really Mm -hmm. like them or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're always Mm -hmm. just trying to play it cool. Like, yeah, I could take it or leave it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like we, we actually just did like a love is blind experiment on our podcast. And we saw with both of the people that ended up going on a date is they basically were like, yeah, it was good. Like I would see them again, but if it doesn't work out, I won't be devastated And I actually think that approach might be the most dangerous because it just puts you in this middle limbo that you're Mm -hmm. not taking a chance either way. Yeah, I, I love remember that. we all we also talked about this on your episode, Ken, when we had you on. Oh yeah, for some <laughs> yeah, reason yeah. we're in this competition to show the least interest in the yes. other person, yes. and whoever shows the least interest wins somehow. And that's just baffling to me because that's not how relationships 
work. <laughs> oh, I blame bad dating books for that. Like for I think sure. there, there was like that why men love bitches or whatever that would that would teach you to do exactly what you just said, UA. So I think there is that ingrainment, especially in people that are kind of like crossing that maybe elder millennial line of like the new way of thinking <laughs> and the old way of thinking. I think a lot of us struggle with, should I play these rules that I was once told where younger people are like, what are you guys even talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the bad part of when we do that is when we suppress our enthusiasm, it turns into a frozenness or a secret mm. neediness, or yeah. more likely both, and and those are not great places. And and that's because th- I think that's like another thing is that like I mean I I think we all have all different kinds of circuitries of attraction, and I know that I could be attracted to you know in my past, um, but still you know the, just the experience of attraction. Like it's easy to be attracted on all different levels to someone who feels a little bit withholding. Like there's a lot there, but there's a lot not given yet. There's something where you want to win that person over. And I know that kind of circuitry of attraction. And it was like where I spent many decades of hell uh, before Mm -hmm. finding my husband. But then there's another thing is I could be deeply attracted to someone who really goes out on a limb in showing me how much he cares and how much he likes me and um, sexually, emotionally really gets vulnerable. That is sexy too. It's Mm -hmm. risky, but it's really sexy. Exactly. I think like one of the things that we've, at least for me, has been the most fascinating our podcast is when we do these, we've done a bunch of these date experiments where we hear two different perspectives of the date or just like we've heard couple stories or just anything that's like double perspective. And I think when you're dating, you forget that there is another person there that has a life mm-hmm. before you, especially if you've gone on like what, one or two dates, how many hours have you really spent with this person? four max, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you have no idea what's going on in their lives. And I think we tend to think, and I definitely was guilty of this, like in my 20s, and maybe even like very early 30s, like thinking like, I was the center of the world. And if they weren't texting me back, it meant that they didn't like me. And it took like, I think, when you play the games, and you're like, I'm gonna hold off and see if they text me and all that, it doesn't actually get to the root of like what's happening in their lives. And it just maybe like makes this push pull that doesn't do anything and it doesn't move this forward. And I think like, for example, we had um, in our, like a past guest of ours and someone in our Facebook group saying that he got ghosted during quarantine. Like he was supposed to do a virtual hike date and the girl just like fell off the face of the universe. <laughs> and yeah. my point to him was like, why don't you just reach out and tell her that you we're really looking forward to because they had one virtual date that I guess went really well. And she said it was like the best connection he's had in a long time. And it's like, what is the harm in reaching out and saying like, Hey, how are things going? Like I was really looking forward to this date, especially right now when COVID-19 is rampant. Like there's so many external things happening in people's lives. Like dating might not be at the forefront for everyone right now, especially if they're dealing with health things or family or whatever it may be. So why not give this person the benefit of the doubt and try to come from a place of understanding and putting yourself at least out there a little? Like what do you really have to lose at that point? Wow. So I just want to take that, put it in a little, like on a little um, 
I don't know what, a little pedestal, a little advice <laughs> pedestal. That's really, that's really big and really actionable. And I know it's really true. I mean, when I met my husband, he was with his two kids. I was with my one kid. I was like totally available and looking and he had his hand, hands full with his girls. Mm-hmm. And so he blew me off on, I would say 1.5 of our dates. And, um, <laughs> And now you're married, right? (laughs) Yeah, we're married. Yeah, I gave up. I was like, all right, I got to be the adult here. I give up. And then one night I like woke up bolt upright with this feeling like if I don't go out of my way, I'm going to lose this opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I did. And I, I just think what you said is a lesson to everybody. Like it's really worth it to take that extra step of vulnerability. I mean, you're not going to keep doing it right. if the person's not interested, right. but, but but not trying could be such a loss for just the reason you said. So right. I, I mean, just right love now, that. Right now, if you're not with them, what do you have to lose by reaching out one more time? It's the same situation that you're in now. <laughs> exactly. I think there is a line though. Like I don't think someone should be right. like reaching out every day if they're not hearing back. Like I think my personal take is like the one-time rule. It's like the one-time benefit of the doubt. Let me just throw it out there, be as vulnerable as I can in just the fact of how it's affecting me that like come from a place of love, not accusing either and see what Dating the Dating advice response. for the world. <laughs> right. Yes. I love that. And, and I just have to go back to like the action ability of the first thing you talked about the, that both of you talked about, which is, so you, um, you're doing online dating. What are the parts of yourself that might not fit into the gender stereotypes you think you should be showing, but you kind of feel, um, can you put that out in your profile? Can you put it out with the new person you're meeting? And what kind of stuff are you interested in? Sexually, form of relationship, even maybe like, all right, I'll try meeting someone who's in a different country or a different state or outside of my age range or height range or weight range or maybe someone who has a different kind of education. Like like that kind of thing of like, let me stretch and play here a little bit in very real ways because we could do that so concretely. So I just, I really just think like, what fabulous invitations those two things are to a richer dating life. Let's hold that thought for a sec. We'll get right back to it. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC. THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use a code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use a code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. 
We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? <laughs> and maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's a really great scenario you just presented too, because we get this question a lot. What should I divulge on my mm-hmm. dating profile? What should I say that's off limits on a first date? And our answer is always, there shouldn't be anything that's off limits if it's important to you. Love it. And mm-hmm. I, I think what a lot of people do on their dating profiles or when they meet someone in person is they talk about their deal breakers, which mm. I think is so detrimental for any relationship because a deal breaker means it's an absolute thing. Like you, there's no budging. You are absolutely not going to like someone because of this thing. And it makes you come off very close-minded. So what we always advise people is in your profiles, instead of saying your deal breakers or what you like, what about listing things that you don't know about, but you're curious about? Mm. Like, I actually have no idea if I like traveling to India, but I would put that in my profile because I'm curious to know. And then you're able to attract people who can say, actually, I've been to India. Let me tell you about the experience. And it just makes you seem very open-minded and just fluid in so many ways. And that's where beautiful things can come out of it. So these are the kind of pieces of dating advice that people don't get to hear. Love that. That's so great. I got to stick with this for a minute because so many people are doing online dating. So from all of your experience and all of your thinking and reflections, tell us more about kind of other ideas or tips or suggestions for, for making online dating a richer, more effective experience. Just like, what have you learned? What have you heard that you really liked? Just anything like that. These tips are, are gold and they're the kind of things you do not get to hear. I think like just sticking with profiles for now, but I think online dating can go even much further than that, clearly. But just to like continue on that for a second, I think one thing that, because we actually do like profile reviews with um, some of our listeners if they're interested in doing that service. And I actually had a really interesting conversation with someone recently. And they had a lot of photos, like for example, of them doing like extreme adventure challenge. And one thing I commented to them was like, how important is this in your life? Is this something that is like make or break? If you don't have a partner that's going to do this with you, that wouldn't make you happy. Or is this kind of like, oh, a nice to have or something that I did once or twice, or I'm kind of just using this photo because I think I should have this extreme photo in there to look cool or -hmm. whatever it may be. Yeah, I think from a female perspective, from someone that isn't like a super adventurous travel type of person, my thought was this feels a little intimidating. 
And I guess where I kind of came to him was when people are looking at your profile, they're trying to imagine a life with you. They're not trying to say, oh, that guy looks cool because he did this crazy hike. It's, (laughs) oh, would I feel, could I see myself being in this person's life? And that's why I think it comes down to how important is this? And to the point of if this really is something that like you need in your life, and if you had a partner that wasn't, then by all means, keep that in your profile. If it's not, and what really came out of my conversation with him is he's like, I don't actually really care if I do this with a partner. I've done this maybe like once or twice in my life. Then my advice was to lose that photo. So I think it really comes down to looking through it as a lens of building um, a partnership with someone, not showing off in your profile. Yeah, that's such a great one, Julie, because I, it's like, you guys stop with the fake news when it comes to your dating <laughs> profiles. I think everyone feels like they have to have a certain photos, one to show that they're active, yep. one to show that they're adventurous and they like to travel, <laughs> one to show the sensitive side, another one to show them in a group setting so they're social and fun. That that is not the formula you need to you need to follow in order to attract a partner because everyone has the exact same set of photos. Right. Stop spreading the fake news and just use the photos that are quintessentially who you are. And right. If you can't find those photos, it means you don't know who you are. Why not spend exactly. the time to figure out who you are <laughs> first? And it just it it's it's crazy to me the amount of people who come to us for dating advice on their dating profiles, and then they'll push back and say. But I heard that you're supposed to have one where you're half smiling. But I heard that you're supposed to have one when you're outside and like your hair is flowing, you're doing a jumping shot. Right. Like, where are you getting this right. news? Because that's not you. You're having someone else tell you who you are. That's just fake news. So yeah. stop with it. <laughs> and that goes back to this balance again of taking the time to get to know yourself before you're just kind of going and going and going to find someone else versus finding out who you are, what's core to you, and then making a plan and acting on it. This is beautiful. And and I just want to kind of like do this thing of extracting two really, really actionable things out of this. One is this kind of theme concept of that what you're trying to do in writing your online profile is give a sense of what it would be like to have you in their life, in someone's life, what it would be like to have a life with you and to have that as kind of a way that you're thinking. And I love that. And then the other thing is that for your photograph, that that what you're thinking about is what really shows me. And I'm just so certain that those pictures will have more punch and more magnetism and more attractability for the right people. So so I love those those things. And I just want to say anybody who wants help with their profile, uh, this is a wonderful place to go is to Julie and UA because so many people will push you to be witty and yep. push you to be cool and push you to be all these different things. And those are not the profiles that you want to write. You want to write the profiles like like they're both saying that are really you. Yeah, I would I would just say that so many people write their profiles trying to appeal to the masses like it's a mm-hmm. presidential campaign and you are only think about only writing your profile for that one person. Right. That is the person for you. Try, stop trying to build as many matches as possible. You're not like trying to attract a thousand people here. And in fact, it's not a popularity contest. All it takes is just one person. 
So yeah. okay, this is person. huge. This is huge. That's so important. I love that. Yeah, because people get so hung up on I'm not getting enough matches, and I t- I get it that you need enough volume coming in because you just don't know where people are at. But also, just getting a ton of quantity that's not going anywhere isn't really solving your problem either. I think that's really true. And also, I just want to say, especially for women who are maybe over fifty, um, and 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 say constantly, I don't get that many responses. And you know, the kind of like thing of so many guys who are in that age range and older only want younger women and uh, are kind of like kid in a candy store immature there's really a lot of that going on and 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 so you might not get as many matches but and in the work that I do with people as people kind of really become their more essential self as they tune the radio dial to them to that dial they may find less people they they, they there may be less people but those people will be more resonant kinder, more available. That just is the kind of, when people do what you're describing, somehow the kind of people they meet and the kind of people that are drawn to them begin to change. And there's a dignity and an integrity to what you are saying that I think comes across. You know what? UA and I have a, uh, (laughs) we have a belief that isn't always popular. Like people will always say that (laughs) it's a numbers game and we think it is not a numbers game. I'm with you. Okay. Well, I can, you, you, your unpopular opinion with us. <laughs> Three <laughs> of us. No. There are more people out there that agree, but I think we've both witnessed so many people that go on date after date after date and they don't go anywhere. And I know even for myself, like in my twenties, um, when Tinder first came out, I was going on like three to four dates a week and they never went past like a couple dates. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's a trap when you think that just you need to fill your funnels and the more, the more, the better. And um, I think what we've seen too is like we had one person that uh, we did an exit interview with one of our favorite podcast episodes. We called uh, this is, one guy came to us and said, I've been on hundreds of first dates his hinge prof like his hinge account was so full. I've never seen someone with more matches in my entire life, but none of them went to second dates. And we actually ended up calling five of his past dates to hear like what would, what happened. So it was like an exit interview, like you have at work and it was eye opening and fascinating. And he thought he was getting rejected time and time again, but most of the girls actually were willing, wanted to go out with him again but he was projecting his own insecurities of rejection onto them. And like, for example, um, a waiter came by and said, do you guys want another drink? And he said, no. So the girl obviously thought he was not interested at all. Mm. But in his mind, he was feeling like she was not into it or she had to get up early for work the next day. So I think it is it is not all about the numbers. It's about having a genuine connection and also putting yourself out there truly and being vulnerable and taking those steps. I really agree. I really agree. Um, so I would love to ask you both a bunch of questions. I mean, there's just, there's so much I want to extract because you're in such a unique position of really hearing people's stories in a conscious way 
and thinking about them, reflecting on them, assessing them, weaving them all together. I mean, it's just kind of an amazing grid of experience and reflection. So I want to really extract more of these goodies. Mm -hmm. And I just want to ask you like a few kind of semi-quick questions. Okay. Okay, Okay, great. So, so here's one question. Um, In all of your episodes where you've talked about sex, What's one thing for each of you that stands out as um, either very moving or very important that you heard or learned? For me personally, we've actually spoken to a few sex experts, sexperts, I guess you could call them. (laughs) And all of them have said it is our time to reclaim our own pleasure. So I think if you really step back and think about it, the media uh, has really owned our pleasure for so many years. Talk about, oh, we should enjoy sex. We should we should enjoy this kind of sex. And pornography has dictated what we think pleasure should be. Yeah. And if we really step back from from our that pleasure that media has portrayed for us, and and really separate that from what we believe is pleasurable, then we're able to seek the ultimate pleasure for ourselves. And that when it comes to sex is having sex with yourself more and exploring yourself more. This is one of the most eye-opening conversations I had was um, I spoke to this friend of mine who's in her early 20s and she's a virgin. And she said, I am so confused about sex right now because all I learned about sex growing up in sex ed was how to not have sex or how to have safe sex, Mm. but I was never taught how to enjoy sex. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to spend the next two or three years exploring myself and figuring out all the toys I can use so I know how to pleasure myself. I love that. That's, That's just great. Yeah, I think, I mean, I 100% agree with everything you just said. Those have been definitely takeaways I've had. I think the other big one that's come from all the sexperts we've talked to is people are so open or we, we stress open communication so much, right? Just about what's happening in the relationship. And there's also the sex positivity that's happening that people are more comfortable talking about sex. But for whatever reason, a lot of times we're hesitant to talk about what's not happening or not going well in our sex lives with our partners. Like there's still this like walking on eggshells feeling like I can't discuss this with them because it's a blame Mm -hmm. situation or something to that sort. And I even found myself like I had a friend that came to me asking just like for some advice in her relationship that just things weren't going very well. And I had a trouble bringing myself to ask her like what her sex life was like with him. Mm -hmm. And I think I was thinking about it, like, why did I have such trouble? And there's this feeling that it's so private that I can't share it and I can't talk about it. And we had um, a Dr. Alexandra Solomon, who is a professor at Northwestern for a very popular marriage 101 class and like author and all that. And she said, like, something that has really stuck with me for a mm-hmm. while is like, it doesn't need to be like a blame or shame. And that's why we have so much because we're not willing to put it out there and look at how we can solve this together. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be like, you're doing something wrong, or I'm doing something wrong. 
And especially like if we have different sexual desires, like it doesn't always have to be so black and white. Like if one person is more vanilla, the other person is more into kink, like maybe there is something that you can start to explore together. Or also maybe there's a way they can find that um, outlet elsewhere. Like with the way, again, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier of people just defining their own relationships more. And it doesn't have to be just something that we're prescribed to from what we've learned and what we've been taught is a relationship. So the same goes for sexuality. Like how can you explore together and bring down the barriers and make it something that doesn't have blame or shame? I love that. I love that. You know, it's making me think about um, how we've all been to some degree traumatized around sex. Like Mm -hmm. maybe it's for some people, it's small T trauma. For some people, it's large T trauma. But we've all been traumatized by the kind of uh, shaming and lack of insight and openness and um, uh, the the, the kind of whole cultural context of secrecy around sex. So we've all Mm -hmm. been traumatized. And one of the hallmarks of trauma is black and white thinking. The more trauma, the more black and white thinking. And so you're describing kind of like like moving ourselves away from black and white thinking around talking and experiencing our sex life. And I love that because that helps reduce and heal trauma. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we were actually, um, I remember we talked about this on the episode too. Like we had a live show and we had a guest or we had at our live show, we had um, a, someone that was there ask a question about what would, uh, maybe I'm butchering this question, you guys, so let me know if, you, if it's different, but it was something around um, if if I sleep with him too soon, like, will he judge me? Or like, should I sleep with a man on the first date? Yeah, it is it co- okay to sleep with someone on the first date? Right, yeah. that's what right. it was. And, and more I like think, a woman's question, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I yeah. think it actually really surprised us in this day and age because mm. – um, I think just so much has been broken down with that, but I also feel like there is still that piece out there that there's this feeling like this old rules I must follow. And I think when we talked about this too on the episode with Dr. Alexandra Solomon, like her point was the fact that it's coming from, am I doing something wrong? That's the true problem. Like it should be coming from a place of like, I want to uh, pursue my sexual self. And at that point, that is when you make the decision. Like, is this something I want to do for myself or not? Versus if I do this, what outcome will it have with this other person? Huge, huge. So that when your question is, should I be sleeping with this person now? It's not, how am I going to look doing this? It's what feels right to me, what really feels organically right at the moment. And let me just say that if you're intoxicated, your answer won't be as clear as if you're not. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Is that from experience, Ken? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. It's from personal experience, experience as a therapist. And, you know, it's just, it's so easy to want to like drink or get high in early dating because it's so anxiety producing. Okay, so here's another question. If you think about your years of being hosts on your podcast, I would just like to ask you to think about like one story that stands out right now that just feels kind of like, like, like that really hits you at this moment. Maybe it was really touching or really important, but somehow stands out just one story from, from each of you. I would love to hear whatever comes. 
It's so hard. <laughs> Julie, I have one. Do you want me to go first? You go first. Go first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, we get this question a lot, and I feel like my answer changes depending on what mood I'm in. So today sure, I'm in yeah. this mood of journey yeah. and yeah. Uh, having, a, having a journey where you where you don't end up where you thought you would. Yep. So on season eight, episode 19, we had a guy on named Ryan Van Duzer, who's mm. actually a friend of mine. Um, and it was called Quest for Love with Ryan Van Duzer. And this story sticks out to me because he is someone who on the surface level, you would think he was a, he was a player. You would think he's such a um, party animal and he, he is just so happy and like he can get along with anybody. He flirts with all kinds of girls all the time, but deep down he is such a romantic and he wants to find love so bad. And in this interview, he talks about all the, his failures. I guess you, I wouldn't even call them failures, but experiences of trying to find love and how having it not work out. But in the end, what you don't see so much on the surface level, if you just know him as like on a social scene, is that he, he still believes in love. After all these years, he still believes he's going to find true love and he will not stop at anything to find it. And it's so inspirational because this guy truly believes that he's on a journey to find love. And through all the experiences he, he's had so far, it's bring him that much closer. I love that episode too. That was definitely <laughs> one of my personal favorites. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's very touching and, and, and kind of like connected to the theme of what we're talking about mm -hmm. is that, that it's kind of like scratching the surface of the way we think people are. There's a lot more underneath and a lot more possibility and a lot more vulnerability underneath. So I love that story. And I imagine that he is like a lot of your listeners and my listeners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what? I uh, kind of agree with you, UA, that depending on my mood, my pick changes. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to keep something that's related to this conversation too, is we had on season six, I believe it was called Just Say Yes. And we had our guest, Cheryl, who was super single. She was in DC at the time, no real prospects. And she's like, what can I do to really shake up my dating life? And she'd always been kind of like had this list of things to look for and all that. And she got inspired. I forget exactly how she came to this. Maybe she heard it um, on like a podcast or probably actually not because podcasts weren't around back then, but like on a book or TV show or something. But she basically had this idea that she would just say yes to whoever came into contact with her and asked her on a date. So she basically was going on dates with people that she would never have gone on dates with before. Like, wow. and it really helped her. I think, first of all, she did it as an experiment for a month just to see what her mindset ended up coming out after being. And she, a few things I think came to surface for her is it really did actually help her get clear about what she was looking for in a partner because she had so many uh, people that she was interacting with and people that she might've dismissed earlier because of whatever superficial things. I think she said like, she had like an M&A fighter or someone that she would never come in contact with. And she actually like found him to be like really sweet and sentimental. So it was things again, that wasn't on the surface that she would not have even gotten the chance to 
look at if she hadn't been so open. But the other big thing that happened for her was that men were really coming out of the woodwork. Like nothing else changed in her daily life. Like she was a teacher, so it was in a predominantly female environment. Um, She didn't change her like, she didn't lose weight. She didn't change her hairstyle, like nothing like that. But she was getting hit on like so many more times than she ever had in her life. And it was the energy that she was putting out there. And eventually it actually led her to her husband, who she's now married to with a kid. And she was also, because she had all this experience from this experiment, she was able to see that he was the first guy too that really like asked her, for example, like, are you dating other people? Like wanted to know if he was the only person in the running and started to also talk about like a life that they could share together. Things that she knew now from so many other people that weren't coming into conversation that this was a keeper. Oh my God. Julie, yeah. I love that one as well. I, mm. I think that episode was so inspirational on so many levels because a lot of times we think, oh, we're once this happens, then I can do this. Like we're mm-hmm. waiting for stuff to happen. We're waiting for milestones. But she just proves to you that she can take hold of her own life. She is in control and she didn't wait for anything to happen. She right. made things happen. Right. Like she did. Like, I feel like I've definitely fallen guilty of this too. It's like, oh, I must lose 10 pounds and then I can go back onto the dating scene. And it it doesn't work that way. Usually no one notices except for you. So. It's totally true. Totally, totally true. That was an amazing story. These were both amazing stories. And I think that they like captured the whole theme of, of this conversation, which was something about like the magic of openness, the risk, the scariness and how openness actually changes the field, our magnetic field, our internal state, that that commitment Mm -hmm. to a kind of openness changes things. So true. Yeah, I think that's like, it's interesting because our podcast, we've kind of evolved over the four years that we've been doing this. I think both you and I thought initially like, oh, let's just do this fun podcast where we hear people's stories and um, kind of like, we didn't even expect to learn that much from it. Like we kind of thought like, oh, we'll just share like funny dating stories. (laughs) And over the years, it has evolved to just being this platform where we look at things with just like an open and new perspective and like hear different perspectives, different experiences. And it allows you to really just like change the way that you approach dating. And that's where it's been so fascinating to how it's evolved. And that is why it's such a delight to get to speak with you both, because you both are, going back to the museum image, you both are curators. You're curators of news, of stories, of insights, uh, of what's going on and the front lines and the inside lines. And you're, you, you do that in a way that is really thoughtful. So there's very few people doing that. So, so the information that you have is really, really gold. And you got to write a book about this because like your perspective is just, you know, who else has that? Who else is approaching <laughs> these questions with such thoughtfulness and with so many stories? So, um, I feel like I would love to have you both back at a later point because I want to extract more wisdom and insight Mm. and stories from you. 
and Anytime. vice versa, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> it's a deal. And it's the, a book deal. Is on, the book is in the plan, so don't worry. <laughs> Yay, quote, good. The, to quote the great Ken Page when he was on our show, <laughs> for everyone listening, he said, the search for love is a big-ass journey. And I will always remember that quote because it's so true. It's yes. just a big-ass journey. It's never-ending, and we're always constantly learning. And that is the beauty of finding love. Absolutely. Well, it has been a complete joy to have you both on the show. Uh, I can't wait to continue this conversation, but could you tell us a little bit about how people could get in touch with you? And all of this is going to be in the show notes. All these links and everything will be in the show notes, but we'd still love to hear from you every way that people could get in touch with you and what they could get in touch with you for. Sure. I mean, like to start, just our podcast is available pretty much on every major platform. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Overcast, like pretty much any podcast player that you want to go to. So that's the best way to get in touch with us. But also um, on Instagram, we're at Dateable Podcast. And we also have a new Facebook group too called Love in the Time of Corona. That's been really, really interesting, especially as we're going through something so different and is going to change our dating lives even once this is over. Beautiful, beautiful. And and you had said that people could work with you on their profiles. Is that correct? Yeah, we also offer curated coaching. So you can do profile reviews with us or you can choose one of the coaches that we've uh, specifically picked for dateable, dateable listeners. Yes, yeah, so you beautiful. go to our website. It's all on there. So datablepodcast.com and then on datablepodcast.com slash coaching is where you can find that. And we're also always looking for submissions for stories. So if people have their own experience, because I think what is a little different about our podcast is we talk to experts, but we also talk to just real active daters that are going through their own stuff. And uh, we love hearing different stories. So you can submit them through datablepodcast.com slash story. Fantastic. Fantastic. And um, is there anything that uh, each of you would like to say in closing, just a last closing thought? Hmm. Well, I think <laughs> my my closing thought is, and this is from many of our guests, we've learned this lesson is that you have to go through the trenches Mm -hmm. to find gold. And that's this journey to find love is that when you feel like you're in the trenches, when you feel down and you feel like you're in a dark place, just know that you're meant to be there and you're going to get through it, but you have to go through it. There are no hacks or no shortcuts. Hmm. And you just have to feel these feelings, experience what you're experiencing right now, and then you will come out of it. That's a really good one. I think like the one that I always, and we've talked about it kind of throughout this whole thing, it's like the balance of your own self-work and your own self-love, and then also relating with others and getting into relationships. It can't be one or it can't be the other. It needs to be a combination of both. But I think if you don't do the self-work, then it makes being in a relationship really difficult because you don't actually know how to state your needs. You don't know how to have that healthy communication and you don't know how to actually work with someone. And I think at the end of the day, the most successful relationships that we've 
either heard from experts or we've heard from people in them or we've experienced ourselves is when two people are committed to making it work and to being open as a team to like figure out how to make things better for both the partners. And it's not one person versus the other. It's not, I feel this way, you feel this way. It's like, how do we solve this together and make a relationship that works for both of us? I love that. I love both of these points and, and, and they're so key and they're beautiful. And having you both on the show was just an absolute delight. Thank you so much for having us on the yeah, show. Thank you. Thank you both. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to Julie and Yue and the Datable podcast. And if you want to get a transcript of this complete episode, just go to deeperdatingpodcast.com. I encourage you to join my mailing list and you'll get a free ebook as well as the first two chapters of my book, Deeper Dating. And so thankful to everybody in the listening community for being here. See you all on the next episode of the Deeper Dating Podcast. And that's it for today's episode of Deeper Dating. Be sure to go to deeperdatingpodcast.com as Ken has a few more gifts for you. Then join us on the next episode. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. Thank you.